0: We have an enemy who does not want our heart to be available to the Lord. Rather than attacking us directly, the enemy causes thorns to grow up alongside the word that has been sown in our heart. Today we continue the series entitled, Our Heart, with excerpts taken from a time of fellowship with brother Ron Kangas in Anaheim, California on January 14, 2009. In this episode, our brother expounds three categories of thorns, the anxiety of the age, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of this life, and emphasizes the importance of our exercise to turn our heart to the Lord every morning so He can make His home in our heart. A link to the full audio can be found in the episode notes. Now, based on these verses, let's go Thorn by thorn. Let's look at the category of thorns. Anxiety. So, I continued my study and I read in Matthew 6.25, the Lord says, do not be anxious for your life. And the Greek word for life is suke, And that refers to the soul life Where the desire and the appetite is. And we'll see. Many are choked by the desire to be rich. The intention to be rich. Some may be actually rich. They're not choked. But there is something in the soul life. That is the root of the desire and the appetite. And the Lord goes on to say, all these things the Gentiles are anxiously seeking. How will we pay the rent? How will I afford to fill the gas? What will OPEC do to raise the price of crude oil again? Uh, Will it be $5 by next summer? What kind of feeling did you have six months ago when you paid $80, $90 to fill your Toyota didn't she have some feeling? When, when to the end of last year, it was coming down, even in California, below two dollars. Didn't you have some relief? All the Gentiles are anxiously seeking. Now, this is not a political statement. This is a spiritual observation. The country is waiting for the Messiah. January 20th. The Messiah will come. He's Abraham Lincoln. He's FDR. He's the Anointed One. He's going to solve all of the problems. There already is almost a cult of worshipping. This, this shows the state of this nation's soul. Expecting something other than God to meet the basic need and to solve the fundamental anxiety. Then Brother Lee points out, in in a note, I think, he said, according to the context in Matthew 6, being anxious is versus seeking the kingdom of God first. That simple verse, I might have touched upon it the other time I was with you. This is the Lord's word. Everyone's anxious. All the nations are anxious. They're worried about the stock market. Now their mortgage exceeds the value of their home. They don't know what to do. And he comes along and says, you seek first the kingdom of God. Your father knows what you need. But many of us will have to admit... The thorns produce a state of tremendous anxiety. And the Lord analyzes this. He says, do not be anxious for tomorrow. The kingdom people live day by day. Then Paul obviously learned of the Lord Jesus. So in Philippians 4, 6, he says, in nothing be anxious. Benson served shoulder to shoulder with Brother Lee. I serve with him in a certain way. I like to testify of him. I never sense anxiety in him. Even when we saw him at the very end, no anxiety. Paul could say, In nothing be anxious, rather make everything known to God by prayer and petition. There's a wonderful series of messages on the life study of Philippians, a life full of forbearance, but without anxiety. But how many of us in this room can say, I have no anxiety. I do not live a life of anxiety. Rather, I have peace in my whole being. I am undisturbed by the stock market. I am untroubled by the price of gasoline. As soon as there is a ripple of worry, I just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm starting to feel worried about this. I take you, Lord, as my supply. I know this isn't a a thrilling subject. But I don't want to be here with you 20 years from now if the Lord would preserve me and see thorns everywhere. You're still here. Now you've got kids. Are they getting in the best preschool? To get in the best private school? To get in the best East Coast college? To get in the best medical school? On and on it goes. Then one other passage about anxiety is 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter says, casting all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. And this Greek word implies heaving up the whole thing once for all. There needs to be a time between you and the Lord when he's shepherding you on this, you can't do it deliberately because you want to act, live out the message. He's shepherding you and he's touching you about everything you're afraid of, everything you're worried about, everything you're anxious about. And then you have a time you realize it matters to him concerning me, my health, my finances whether or not I'll be married, whether or not I'll have children. Everything matters to him. So, Lord, now, once and for all, I heave up the totality of my anxiety on you. You bear it. You bear it. My responsibility is to love you, to enjoy you, to be vital, to, be, to, to bear fruit, to function organically in the church. This is a heart without the thorns of anxiety. Then, category number two. The riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Uh, I'm going to ask a general question. Don't be afraid. Don't answer outwardly. How many... You're young overall, young adults. How many in this room have no debt? Have no credit cards maxed out? Who clear all accounts every month? Who are not overextended in anything? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us were in a situation... That we're satisfied with what the Lord supplies us. We don't overreach. We don't overspend. We don't get in debt. Why? We live in a debt culture. If the housing problem and the failures spread to the credit system, we're really in for a panic. Well, I'm not a credit counselor. I'm not going to probe into your personal finances. But this matter of riches, the deceitfulness of riches, of not being content with what the Lord gives us, with not living between our means, wanting more, Not long before the Lord brought me into the Lord's recovery, I met a young lady. I think someone was trying to match us, but it was mutually repulsive, Uh, repelling rather than repulsive. And the thing that repelled me was her frank word. She said, I'm going to be married to a very rich man. And then I was relieved to hear that. And I I said to myself, well, it won't be me. (laughs) Okay, this is the intention, the aspiration. Motivated by insecurity and the love of money. There was a brother who advised me within weeks of my coming into the Lord's recovery. Sorry he didn't remain, but he really helped me then. And he said, why don't you ask the Lord to show you what you think about? You may think you know. And so I was simple, believe it or not. I said, Lord, show me what I think about. And right away, he put, used one word, money how much money is in your thoughts, just below the level of consciousness. And that was the beginning of a very long, thorough, drastic, inward and practical dealing with money. Not to love it, not to trust it, not to desire it, not to want it, but to be practical with it And especially to offer it. Now listen to some of these verses. They speak for themselves. Matthew 19.23 Only with difficulty will a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 24 It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle then for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 23. How difficult it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. 24. How difficult it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Then we go to 1st and 2nd Timothy. One of the requirements for an elder Is not fond of money. I was in a certain situation and I was informed that there was an envelope for me and someone had presented a gift anonymously. So I went to pick it up and this was a serving sister. You know what she said? She said, It's probably got some of that green stuff. I was saddened by that. Green stuff. You think that this is what this is about? The Lord covers me to say, "Do you want to know what my first thought is whenever I receive anything? It's to give." Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can give more. Thank you, Lord. Not that I get more. I don't want more. I don't need more. I don't trust in more. I like to bear this testimony. I can't be bought. We were in one country in 1995 where a very rich descending person was trying to buy co-workers. That was a poor country and some of them were falling for it. And we made a declaration. We're not for sale. My being is not for sale. My heart is not for sale. My heart is for the Lord. It's not for the thorns of riches. I don't trust in them. I don't love them. But we're practical. We need a certain supply. Then the Lord says, Paul says this. In First Timothy, I think it's 6, 9. I forgot to put the chapter in. It's something 9. But those who intend to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into destruction and ruin. Intend. Just the intention. And here are some of Brother Lee's comments. With a strong desire To be rich. Just the desire. You grew up poor. I can't say I grew up in poverty, but I went to Blue Collar U in Detroit. I went to Wayne State University, a place you never heard of, where the factory workers' sons go. They couldn't be the elite to go to the University of Michigan. I took a bus. To went the blue collar you. Some of you grew up in more severe circumstances than that. And it shaped you. And the enemy might have put something into you. Even at an early age. I'll, I'll never live this way again. I'm going to be well off. He, just that intention. I assure you. Will wreck your inner being. Just that intention. It says, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into destruction and ruin. We've seen brothers come and go who betrayed their recovery for money, who accused the minister of the age falsely because of money. If we were in a country like North Korea, we would be facing a different kind of challenge as believers. But we live in the affluent West. And the enemy stratagem is to neutralize us one by one with the thorns. You get Miss Anxiety marrying Mr. Wannabe Rich. And the thorns will grow up along with the seed and eventually choke them off. If you're not choked at 28, you'll be choked at 38. If you're not choked at 38, you'll be choked at 48. Then there's, it doesn't matter what there is outwardly. The heart has been usurped. Brother Lee goes on to say, this is the love not the possession of riches. Some are actually rich. some desire to be rich. This evil desire ruins and destroys them. The love of money is the root of all evils, because of which some, aspiring after money, have been led away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many pains. These are believers. This is not a theory to us. The dye is being cast now. The, the mold is being solidified now. What kind of inner being are you going to have 10 or 20 years from now? What kind of messages will be sent to your growing children? I've seen too many cases of mixed messages coming from the parents. Be for Christ in the church. Don't go to the full-time training. Be for Christ in the church. Don't marry a full-timer. Be for Christ in the church. Don't serve full-time. Don't move out of Southern California. Don't, Don't move to North Dakota. Don't go to Romania. Don't go to India. Can't you have the church life in a nice Southern California environment? These kind of persons will never turn the age and will never bring in the kingdom of God and will never build up the body of Christ and will never prepare the bride of Christ. Just the intention. Rather, they pierce themselves through with many pains. One of the characteristics of the end of the age in 2 Timothy 3 2 is men will be lovers of money. If you think, if you have the thought that you do not love money, you don't know your heart. You have never been enlightened to the depths of your being. If you don't trust money, if you don't aspire after money, you don't know how damaged our inner being is. We shouldn't be naive. We need to let the divine cardiologist Thoroughly diagnosis. I'll tell you at the end. He's got a way to deal with every thorn. Amen. That's why I'm not discouraged. Then Paul goes on in 1 Timothy six seventeen and 18. Charge those who are rich in the present age not to be high-minded, not to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who affords us all things richly for our enjoyment. To do good. To be rich in good works. To be ready to distribute. To be ones willing to share. Here Paul speaks of the uncertainty of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. But there, there are saints. This is the way they live in the Lord's recovery. I'm being very direct. They're on the ground. But they live a denominational Christianity kind of church life within the precincts of the Lord's recovery. The heart is not single. The heart is not absolute. The heart is not pure. We've got one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and the problem is inward. This kind of heart cannot afford the ground for the Lord to grow unto maturity, to bear fruit unto maturity to give the lord a way to fill our whole being that the body of christ can be built up now we go on to what is mentioned in luke 8:14 called the pleasures of this life and there the word for life is not suké it's bios just plain physical pleasures to excess doesn't mean you should eat food you can't stand to, to prove that you're not a pleasure seeker. That, that's hardly human. That, that's not normal. But the sheer enjoyment of physical things, wanting an abundance of physical possessions. When my car was totaled from behind, I was innocent. Total from behind there on La um, the Palma. And I had to consider, I need wheels. I need a vehicle. But the Lord had me wait three months before deciding this. And I remember fellowshipping with Brother Jim Miller. I was with him in San Francisco. I said, can you advise me what would be a suitable car? And he asked me this practical question. How much do you drive? And I said about 5,000 miles a year. That's nothing. The miles are in the air. Not on the ground. (laughs) And I realized... Okay, I'll just be Orange County sophisticated. I can get a pre-owned vehicle. I can get a used car. And so now I'm driving... A 1998 Nissan. Four or five thousand miles a year. I don't need a new car. I don't need a nice car. Even the Lord, in the, it was given to me without in any way soliciting. I don't solicit gifts. And the Lord gave me a car that has a color that I don't like. I know you like it, probably you want to know what color it is, so I don't want you to lose sleep. It's white. I don't like white cars. So now I got a white 11-year-old Nissan and it's transportation, reliable transportation. I don't have to have a Lexus. I don't have to go to Fletcher Jones motor cars. And get one of those. I don't have to lease it. I don't have to have this. I don't have to have that. I don't have to own a house. I don't own a house. I rent a house. I don't particularly like it. But I'm content. Okay? I don't live for the pleasure. Of the material things. For the bios. But those are thorns. And regarding this, oh, we have these verses. 2 Timothy 3.4 Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Titus 3.3 3, We also were once foolish serving as slaves various lusts and pleasures. James 4, 1 and 3. Where do wars and fightings among you come from? Are they not from this? From your pleasures that war in your members? You ask and do not receive, because you ask evilly that you may spend it on your pleasures. Well, these are the thorns. Because of the fall, They're in every fallen human being. And I don't know the dynamics of this, but we have an enemy who does not want our heart to be available to the Lord Jesus as the Spirit. He doesn't want Christ to increase in us. He doesn't want the triune God to fill us to overflowing. And he rarely will attack directly with explicit demonic assault, not in our culture. He will just incite the thorns to grow up along with the word. Word is growing. Thorns are growing. Then at a certain point, the word is choked. And then from God's point of view, it's all over. You won't be a God-man. You will be a nice, ethical, moral, biblical, even spiritual person in the church. But not a God-man who lives out the triune God from his spirit through his Christ-saturated heart. And when there isn't that kind of person, there isn't the body of Christ. So along with all the vital practices which I 100% affirm and encourage. There has to be another kind of exercise, especially in our hidden life with the Lord. So I tell you, I learned this from Brother Lee. My first exercise every morning is to turn my heart to the Lord, to tell the Lord, I turn my heart to You. Lord, I open my heart to You. I draw near to You with my turned and opened heart. Lord, I love You. With such a heart, I love You and I believe in You. Strengthen me with power into my inner man so that You may make Your home in my heart. Thank you for joining us today. To hear the complete recording and other messages, please visit livingtohim.com. If you would like to receive regular updates from us, please subscribe to this podcast and join our mailing list on our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where our handle is at livingToHim.